in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. This afternoon, I sat down and had a conversation with Scott Kurland, who is a managing director at SSNC Technologies, ticker symbol SSNC. And Scott is the global head of product marketing for SSNC's singularity effort, which you've heard us talk about on this podcast, and we've included it in a number of our, our writings at Tech Today. If you recall, singularity is... SSNC's mid-office, back-office platform that was architected from the ground up with artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, natural language processing, RPA, all sorts of cutting-edge technologies baked in from the ground up. And so we shared a panel with Scott and Mark Zimmerman from SSNC last week in, in Phoenix at the IASA conference and wanted to drill down on, on Singularity a bit more with, with Scott in terms of what the platform is doing today, where the company may take the platform over the next year or so, in order to give you a more detailed understanding as to how one company has leveraged broadly defined artificial intelligence across their fintech platform. And here is my conversation with Scott. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. Today, I am in the 50 Milk Street offices of SSNC Technology with Scott Curlin, who's spearheading SSNC Singularity effort. And Scott and the company were kind enough to invite me to speak at the IASA panel last week in, in Phoenix. And we had a good experience there. And we just sort of wanted to follow up on some of the topics of the day at IASA and then also get Scott's thoughts around sort of the initial rollout of Singularity, which we've talked about on this podcast before. It's SSNC's AI-infused platform for investment operations. And so we'll get a chance now with, with, with Scott, who leads Singularity from a product standpoint, to kind of dig into some of the detail around AI, machine learning, deep learning, RPA, a lot of the newer cutting-edge technologies that we've talked about on the podcast. So Scott, welcome to the Tech Today podcast. Thanks for having me here today, John. Maybe we could start, so I'm sure a lot of your customers know who you are, but if you've got folks on the, on the podcast, I'm sure we do, who maybe aren't as familiar with SSNC or yourself, maybe if you could provide a, a brief intro about yourself, and then we could kind of maybe dive into SSNC at a high level and work from there. Sure. Uh, well, just by way of a, a little brief background, I've been in the uh, financial technology space a little over 20 years since finishing business school. A bit of a, uh, a financial technology entrepreneur, so over a course of about 10 to 12 years, some uh, some partners, I built a company called ESP Technologies. Uh, we were a pioneer in the electronic uh, algorithmic routing portal space for global institutional asset managers, and then subsequently built a uh, post-trade um, aggregation technology for um, settlement efficiency uh, for some of the largest uh, global asset managers and uh, private wealth managers. We did that over about 10 years. Um, I spearheaded the uh, the product. Uh, we we um, we granted two patents in the process, and we sold uh, the business to Investment Technology Group, now Virtu, uh, in 2010. Uh, went over, joined them, and uh, for about seven years, I ran uh, the Global Workflow Technology Group there, uh, very much focused on providing the uh, household investment managers and uh, more active hedge funds with order and execution management system technology, uh, algorithmic trading capabilities, a lot of leading analytics. Uh, for performance measurement, and then um, everything from global routing down to post-trade settlement. Um, 
prior to leaving ITG about a year and a half ago, uh, we were very much focused on um, looking at AI as a way to drive uh, um, alpha in the trading desk side, uh, looking at uh, short-term algorithmic performance and peer, an peer analysis and a lot of market variables where machine learning and deep learning could actually discover new patterns and signals and social sentiment uh, indication for uh, investment managers and traders. And that was really interesting to me. And then when the SNCC provided me the opportunity to say, let's apply this to middle and back office technology, which hasn't been touched in 20 or 30 years, I said I was up for the challenge. So that's what brought me here. Cool. All right. So maybe for, for those that don't know, you could touch on who SSNC is because the, the company has its has a presence in, in many corners of the, the financial services asset management industry. And then maybe from there, we could just kind of talk about how the singularity effort came about and kind of what you guys are doing there. Sure. Well, so SSNC, uh, you know, we're a publicly uh, traded company uh, on, on the NASDAQ. Uh, at this point, uh, I think we're around uh, 15 billion in market cap, over 20,000 employees. Uh, but uh, SSNC as a firm has its roots in investment accounting software technology and services. Um, and over the years, it's been uh, a highly acquisitive firm. They, they, um, when I joined the firm, the uh, company uh, had over 15 uh, investment accounting platforms in its, uh, in its arsenal uh, that it had either acquired, maintained, or, uh, uh, or upgraded over the years, many of which were providing uh, best-of-breed accounting uh, services or capabilities to specific industry segments or even specific asset types within the market. So as a firm, SSNC not only provides software uh, and technology to investment managers, uh, global hedge funds, uh, banks, insurance companies, uh, mortgage REITs, asset owners and pensions and beyond, but it's also one of the largest global outsourcing services for fund administration, uh, middle and back office services. Um, there's a, a very large arsenal of uh, uh, investment operations folks and experienced accountants and CPAs within the organization. Um, so that's a bit of background on SSNC. The genesis behind Singularity was in some ways just that. You know, we have 16, 15 or 16 different investment accounting platforms. Uh, but in today's world, a lot of the large complex uh, insurance companies and asset managers are now playing in a lot of different industry segments and across a very broad range of asset types. And so in order to service them from an operations and accounting and a fund administrative perspective, you often have to glue together a lot of different systems uh, that are good at performing one or, or two functions. So the genesis behind Singularity was to develop a single unified investment operations and accounting platform that was truly multi-asset, multilingual, multi-basis, and multi-currency, leveraging all of the business experience that SSNC has, has built up over the years and time-tested and proven uh, accounting uh, rules and put them into next generation technology so that you could do things in a much more efficient, scalable manner. Maybe we could dig a little bit into the technology, Scott. So my first job out of school was in the, in the back office in, uh, with, with Putnam Investments. And this was way back in the, the mid-1990s. And back then, the technology was largely green screen terminals. And so maybe you could talk about today how, how SSNC services, Singularity and otherwise, how they're delivered, meaning SaaS versus on-prem versus full outsourcing or co-source and this type of thing? Well, I think if you look at the traditional platforms, a lot of the core platforms that SNCC uh, offers and are, are, are pervasive in the market today, 
um, a lot of them are offered in, in many of those capacities. So um, the largest clients, some of them do run on-premise deployed software uh, where they uh, service themselves effectively within the application and then we provide them with regular release upgrades and maintenance and so forth on the application per the terms of our agreements with them. There are other clients that um, outsource those functions to SSMC and we run those platforms in-house to perform the investment operations and accounting functions and administrative functions for them. And we provide them either uh, Citrix-based or uh, web-based views or access to those particular platforms for reporting and additional information and transparency that they may require. With respect to Singularity, we really looked at new or next generation technology. So Singularity is architected from the ground up as a native cloud-based application. It's accessible via a web browser. Uh, It has things like dual factor authentication. It's extremely mobile. folks can access their portfolios with the right entitlements on an iPhone or an iPad or a Surface tablet for the ultimate flexibility and portability. Um, It's also designed that way so that clients can choose whether they choose to operate the platform themselves on a SaaS basis where we're hosting and maintaining the software or outsource those functions to us or any combination of the two, what you might call co-sourcing. All of those things can be done within Singularity um, at the client's discretion but they're able to use the same technology to do so. So let's dig into the technology a little bit, uh, whether it's AI, machine learning, deep learning, robotic process automation. Um, maybe you could talk about some of the ways that those various technologies are, are deployed in, in various use cases. Sure. So, you know, they're, they're, when we looked at AI in the most general sense within the industry, there are a lot of folks out there that have built, call them standalone, applications for uh, robotics or predictive analytics or engines for machine learning. And then uh, one of the biggest industry challenges is you're, you're dealing with potentially your infrastructure internally that may be a somewhat legacy technology. It may be 10, 20, 30 years old, and you have to figure out how to get those technologies to talk to one another. And that is a challenge in the industry. So what we did when we looked at Singularity is we wanted to try to embed uh, some of those innovative technologies within the fabric of the tech stack itself. Okay, as opposed to grafting on a third-party application and having them to uh, have to interface or, or, or speak to one another. Um, so when we looked at, um, for example, machine learning, uh, we embedded the ability to use, uh, to use Python, for example, in the core application. Uh, and in order to be able to teach it patterns, have it learn those patterns, and continuously learn from user interaction and feedback. Um, We uh, developed predictive algorithms that are uh, able to be used across any data entry within Singularity. So as you look at complex asset types or things that require manual maintenance, um, typically through either documents or manual uh, data elements that have to be added to value or revalue security, predictive analytics can be helpful in helping pre-populate that information, suggesting values, parsing it from unstructured data and so forth. Um, so uh, the other way of looking at it too is we, um, we looked at practical applications for machine learning, predictive analytics, robotics, and natural language processing when we systematically looked at building key functions in the operations and accounting or the middle and back office side within Singularity as opposed to just trying to you know, f- have a solution looking for a problem, so to speak. So let, let's talk about, uh, there's a couple points I wanted to touch on that, or, that I was thinking about as, as you were 
kind of laying out the, the use case. With respect to domain expertise, because you know, theoretically I could go out and hire a handful of developers, data scientists, and write some code on top of Microsoft's AI platform, on top of Azure, and sell it to the fund accounting industry or the custody operations industry. But I would be at a, a steep disadvantage in that I don't have the 30 plus years of domain expertise. Maybe you could talk a little bit about why that's important. Absolutely. So you know, if you think, especially if you think about middle and back office, um, you know, when you get into operations and investment accounting, uh, you don't have the luxury of um, of uh, a lot of trial and error in the sense that you know your calculations have to be correct. Your reporting has to be accurate. You know, when you're dealing with investments, portfolio, regulatory reporting, that information has to be correct. So the domain expertise to understand how to appropriately apply machine learning, AI, or disruptive technology in this space is critical, right? And 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 coming from, as someone coming from the front office space where um, we had the luxury in, in the world of trading to say, there are 87 market variables that we can throw at this model let the model come up with some creative ways to put those together and identify potential new ways to find alpha. You can't do that in accounting, right? You can't just throw a bunch of stuff together and let's see what the numbers come up with, right? So you do need that domain expertise to understand the constraints for which the machine learning, for example, can learn. So machine learning is really good at or effectively automating and doing things faster, uh, provided that it has the right guidance from a human that can actually give it uh, the constraints under which it can operate, right? And I think uh, on our IASA panel, one of our panelists said that, you know, if you don't have the domain expertise and you use it to apply, you know, machine learning, all that happens is you end up having a really bad process that works faster. And you don't want that to happen in operations or accounting. Yeah, so that, those that have domain expertise are much better to identify quality data sets versus maybe data sets that aren't of the highest quality and would do more to, to harm the model than to help the model. I would also argue that uh, if you have the domain expertise, you have the ability to validate that whatever machine learning and predictive algorithms are doing on their own are correct. And you, know, you need to be able to then look at the results uh, that they've applied it and said, these are accurate and I can explain and understand why they are relative to you know, uh, results that I would expect if I were doing it uh, on a human basis. So I think that's critical. So maybe we could talk a little bit about scale and multi-tenancy and how, let's say again, kind of similar scenario, I'm a competitor, I come out with this great whiz-bang product, I have a bunch of people on staff with a couple hundred years of domain expertise, but we only have two clients. Yeah, so, so scale is particularly important when uh, applying uh, some of these innovative technologies, in particular around machine learning and predictive analytics and natural language processing. Why? Because you need a lot of data to be able to train the models in the first place to get to a baseline where the confidence level is good enough that you can trust that the machine is going to actually add value to the equation. If you don't have a large enough data sample, you're not going to get meaningful results from the machine learning or the predictive analytics. The confidence level simply won't be high enough because there aren't enough data points for it to derive that particular confidence level. So I'll give you an example. We are in the process today uh, in our alternative business of um, looking at ways that we can more efficiently, uh, more efficiently process bank loan events 
uh, and limited partnership transactions, right? These are transactions that typically come in in the form of unstructured documents or data from the issuing bank or, or the, um, the agent bank. They come in in all shapes and sizes, PDF, Word, fax, etc. And oftentimes you're just looking for critical data elements, maybe uh, pay down amounts or payment dates or a rate reset or something that you need to pull out of that document in order to be able to revalue the asset or the cash flows associated with it from an accounting perspective. So we're looking at ways of taking thousands of those type of documents we have at SSNC, given that we are uh, one of the largest providers of alternative outsourcing in the space, we have these documents and we can use these to train the model to get up to a very high level of confidence so that the very first next client that then starts applying this, they get the benefit of all of the, um, all of the training that has happened in the model before they start using it. And so the, the example that I've given b before about Singularity in particular was when you have, I don't know how many thousands of users, I don't think you guys have disclosed it, but it's thousands of users and the machine is learning in real time. And therefore, as the machine learns based on, let's say, an example that happened in one user's workflow, the benefit of that learning then accrues to the entire user base, at least insofar as those that are on a multi-tenant environment. It can, so, so you have to be careful with, with what, you, what you'd call shared learning, right? So um, in the case of, say, predicting values, right? If, uh, if, if you're a, a specific client, you may not want the system to suggest a value to you that is irrelevant because it doesn't apply to your business model, right? So um, we're, we're very careful as we're looking at um, applying machine learning and predictive analytics to ensure that things that are common across clients, so things Trade that might breaker. be specific, yeah, or, or things that might be specific to things like uh, attributes of a security, right a publicly yeah. traded security that's a good example that those type of things um, where predictive analytics or machine learning can be used but something that might be for example a bespoke deal or something where you use a particular custodian to do a swap transaction but other clients don't well we wouldn't want to suggest a new custodian that's irrelevant to you right so you have to make sure that the learning can be for certain elements, it can be global or multi-tenant. For other, it's going to be very specific to your patterns, your investment transaction history, your portfolio, and your behavior, right? And we can partition that as we look for what should be shared and what shouldn't be. If we could skip over to IASA. So I enjoyed the panel last week. Uh, I didn't see attendance numbers, but the convention center was a packed house in, in Phoenix. And maybe you could talk a little bit about kind of interest level conversations? Yeah, it was, um, you know, we, uh, we had the benefit of hosting what it was called Vendor Connect Tours, where uh, uh, there were leaders that came by with groups of um, 12 to 15 industry leaders. So these were um, uh, chief financial officers or heads of investments or operations from uh, insurance companies, asset managers and the like. Um, they came around and we had the ability to spend really just maybe 10 minutes uh, with each group and show them uh, specific instances of where we were applying some of these innovative or disruptive technologies within Singularity. So we were able to give them examples where we're applying it to things like uh, multi-way complex reconciliation, um, break remediation, uh, optimization of um, uh, collateral management and pledging, uh, complex trade or data entry, uh, intelligence contextual search, and so forth. 
and uh, the interest was, uh, was very peaked. Uh, we had a number of those folks come back around for more detailed demos, and um, let's just say we're, we've been extremely busy uh, since the conference ended. So, uh, in fact, a few of the conference uh, organizers asked us to participate um, in some of the regional events where they thought um, some of the regional folks uh, throughout the country would be interested in learning more. So we found it very productive. We were very excited. Glad to hear. So without without letting the cat out of the bag, are there you know kind of neat product features that we could expect to maybe roll out over the next year or so that you'd like to talk about? Or is... absolutely um, without giving away too much of yeah. the secret sauce, we are very very excited about the potential to uh, leverage, um, in particular, natural language processing. Um, and uh, robotic automation to the alternative space. So as you look into uh, uh, firms that are now investing in private equity, uh, limited partnerships, uh, complex debt transactions, or even real assets, real estate, where there is a tremendous amount of manual processing, document collection, basically the business doesn't scale very well operationally. So you know, there are a number of firms that their core, their core investments are you know, listed securities, uh, fixed income equities, some derivatives hedging, and now they're moving into the alt space, either because clients are demanding it, uh, the need to find uh, outsized alpha is demanding it, or just a merger and acquisition activity is getting them into that business. Uh, the combination of the business experience we have at SSNC, the power of using natural language processing to turn these unstructured documents into data-driven events, like a corporate action, and then use the power of Singularity's automation to process those and update the valuation of those assets, do the accounting, close the book sooner, and allow that business to really scale up, um, we think is gonna blow the door wide open for a lot of these investment managers and insurance companies that have money to invest in these assets but really don't have the business expertise or the operational leverage today to scale the business effectively. And I think that's where we're gonna see a real game changer for Singularity beyond um, the assets that we're already covering today, which are pretty broad if you look across the core base of equities, fixed income, bank loans, um, listed and OTC derivatives, money market instruments, and so forth. So that's a really exciting area. The second is we're now just starting to apply uh, predictive analytics to analysis for the finance department uh, around the accounting space, which is something that hasn't really been done. So as a simple example, uh, if you're running your reporting uh, from uh, period A to period B, let's say last quarter to this quarter, um, use the predictive analytics um, and analysis to be able to start explaining changes in yields or earned income swings between one period to the next and allow the uh, finance department to understand what's driving those changes, right? Is there a macroeconomic event? Has there been a big change in a yield, for example, in one of the assets you're holding in your portfolio? Or is there an error in accounting? Is something legitimately wrong or missing uh, that's causing that swing? So is it an error or is it valid? Um, and being able to help with that context allows for a lot of dramatic efficiency in the accounting space as well as the operational space. So those are two things that we're really excited about that are coming. Um, I, I just wanted to go back to, because one of the questions you probably get, one of the questions I get a bunch is, how do I think about deploying AI versus machine learning versus predictive analytics? And what I tell people is that it's, it's not a, a binary event. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. They kind of work in unison. Talk yeah, I mean, look, the way we did it uh, very simply is we, um, we mapped out the life cycle of an investment. 
um, in each case, right? We, we took it from beginning to end, you know, as an organization that processes from the time uh, a trade decision happens all the way through to when you have to, uh, you know, book it, account for it, and report on it uh, and reconcile it. And uh, if you map that out and you actually step through all of the processes that are involved in doing that efficiently, you can identify each stage of the way where there may be an opportunity to apply each one of those type of disruptive technologies, right? So in the case of looking at the investment lifecycle of a trade, for example, machine learning is very good um, at being applied towards reconciliation and matching, okay? RPA is good at automating a series of rules that determine whether uh, something can continue to be processed or needs to be sent upstream or downstream for further review, validation, et cetera. Uh, natural language processing is very good at taking data that would be unstructured when it comes in, turning it into a machine readable format, okay, or data uh, element, and then processing it like you would a, a price change, right, or a rate change or a corporate action. So those are just some examples, but I think a very systematic approach is to look at your process today from beginning to end, map it out, and then you can find iterative steps where you may be able to apply one or two or three of these technologies to gather uh, incremental benefits and, and efficiency gains. I don't think you have to do it as, it's not gonna be a holy grail, you know, um, big bang approach where you just drop something in, you know, you know hit, hit the autopilot button and go out and play golf. It doesn't work that way. And then last, maybe we could talk about people. And this sort of goes back to, to scale because one of the things that I've seen, not just in your space, but in the deployment of advanced analytics and AI and some of these technologies we've been talking about today, a number of companies have found it difficult to scale because it's not easy to find the required people. What we call today data scientists. Yep. And you guys, at least at SSNC, have the advantage of you've built the architecture, you have the platform, you have a balance sheet to work with, and so that kind of gives you a bit of a head start versus some of these other guys that are out there that may hit a wall when it comes to recruiting or not having the balance sheet to recruit like they'd like to. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think you know a lot of it, with respect to talent and people in recruiting, um, I think it comes down to culture as well. Um, you know, I joined the firm because uh, in many ways, uh, we were granted the opportunity to, uh, I could go back to my startup days, uh, you know, in, in 15, 20 years ago at ESP, have the opportunity to do something innovative, but know that I could tap into a tremendous amount of um, uh, intelligent people, business resources, um, and experience uh, that we have in order to come to market with something faster than if we had to do it all in the basement from scratch with um, just you know our own limited knowledge, right? And I think um, so. You know, we're trying to create a a, a nimble, uh, agile, and passionate culture within both the organization and everybody that's working on Singularity in particular. Um, where um, we're, we're constantly challenging ourselves to rethink how we do things, um, how do we build for scale, how do we do things to make sure that the return on investment um, is great now and 5, 10, 15 years from now, right, as we look to build some of these technologies in. And we're also not afraid to um, learn from our mistakes. If we do something wrong, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll throw it out or we'll, we'll be open to another approach where something, maybe the technology um, or the um, or the uh, uh, the business process is different um, than what we were used to doing before, um, and I think that um, I, at least I hope that will attract uh, 
and, and build on itself uh, additional talent to people that really want to come on board and, and, and join the team. I know that people that we've shown singularity to uh, have been very excited about it and they want to be part of the story. And that's both on the client side. So we have clients that are now collaborating with us. They're giving us input on how we can use some of these um, disruptive processes or technologies to improve processes we might not have even known that they go through as an organization. Um, as well as um, you know, to be to be you know early users of, of the system and and uh, evangelists themselves. We're very excited. the uh, The roadmap for the product in in, in development is uh, is pretty robust. Um, we have some great collaborative clients, and uh, we have some fantastic resources within SSNC from uh, the uh, um, the executive team down. Um, and we really believe this is going to uh, change the future of middle and back office processing for the financial industry as a whole. So Scott, where, where can folks go if they want to learn more about SSNC or Singularity in particular? Uh, well, a... uh, there is if they just go to SSNCInc.com uh, uh, and uh, they can actually uh, uh, look up Singularity as a product. There's information there. Um, they can uh, they can uh, email us or contact us directly through the website, and uh, we're all over LinkedIn these days as well. So uh, they're welcome to watch one of our crazy videos or our. Uh, our posts or uh, just have them tune in regularly to your podcast. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll include detail in the show notes. Scott, thanks for joining the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Our thanks again to Scott Curland of SSNC and to the team for inviting us to the IASA panel last week and for spending time with us this afternoon. If you want to learn more about SSNC, check out our show notes. We've linked to the website. We've also linked to some of the previous Tech Today articles where we've touched on either singularity or just AI machine learning in, in general and some of the issues as to what we're seeing today. See you all next time.